We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Big episode in store for you guys today as we are just, give or take, 48 hours away from Oregon football's 2023 spring game. So there's plenty of stuff to talk about. And joining me on today's episode is my guy, Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12. What's going on, brother? I got puddles on my heart today, quite literally. He is in the window. He is on my heart. Couldn't be feeling better, man. I, uh, I'm i going to have to watch the spring game on tape delay like it's 2007 because I have, <laughs> I have broadcasting duties on Saturday afternoon, which is unfortunate timing, but... Gosh, I'm so ready to watch some football. So many different things to watch for. Man, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one. I know we were we were talking about this before we uh, got on air. Uh, we're live on YouTube and on Twitter uh, at M Sports on Twitter at Oregon Football Max Taurus on YouTube. And I was just telling you, man, like my head's spinning. Like I, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. You know, five transfers in the last 24 hours. Ducks got a new commitment from Melissa tight end Jackson Ford out of uh, Texas. You know, got that news and a one-on-one interview with him over on my site. So check that out. But so much is happening. I'm I'm boarding a flight myself to to Texas. Uh, oddly enough, tomorrow morning, and uh, I'm going to be missing the spring game, which is a bummer. But dude, it's just a crazy time in uh, the Oregon football world right now. Yeah, it is. We're all kind of getting ready for the game, and then the uh, news comes out like, oh yeah, these three guys are are leaving all at the same time. Darren Barkins, Harrison Taggart, and and Sir Mel's all leaving the program. There have been others, Avante Dickerson leaving a, a, as well. And I, I don't think they're catastrophic losses for the Ducks. I, I just kind of described them as scholarship casualties. It doesn't mean they aren't, you, you know, decently talented players in in one way or another. I think it's just when you recruit this many good players, you're going to have some guys who did have potential, who did have upside, not be able to crack the depth chart. And they'll go try and, you know, figure out how, how they can uh, find a destination. Hopefully they do that allows them to, to flourish on the football field. But no, I think Oregon's fine. This was uh, expected at some level. I don't think you, you know, I didn't go through and uh, just cause it felt unnecessarily negative and go through and be like, these are the guys who should transfer, you know, these, these guys should leave. Cause then it sounds like I'm you know talking bad about them when I, I, I wouldn't be meaning to and whatnot, but I, I think really it's, it's just a, a function of, 
Oregon was in a situation where they had too many players on the roster. We talked about it many times, right? I mean, a lot, a lot of people were really concerned about this sort of stuff. And I, I just like to go back to my take on it, which is you have an entire staff of people. You, you, it's not just a head coach, a coordinator, and some assistants. You have a director of player personnel. You have a recruiting coordinator. You have a chief of staff. You have entire groups whose jobs it is to manage the roster, identify talent, get them to the coaches, and all that sort of stuff and and manage this thing. And, you know, Oregon fans are worried for a while. Well, how are we going to get down to, you know, 85 scholarships by the fall? I'm pretty sure we're down to 82 right now. So now we're in a position where Oregon could actually add three transfers and still be at that 85 or under limit, uh, you know, as, as spring football kind of winds down here with the spring game on, on Saturday. And uh, school is almost – I don't remember when school ends at Oregon because like – um, Mid-June, I think. Are they in quarters? Oh, they're on quarters. Oh, they're on quarters. Quarter system for the win. Um, Yeah, fun fact. I didn't go to Oregon. Been a fan my whole life, but I didn't. I didn't. I did not go there. Max didn't go to Oregon either, so it's okay. Yeah, I did. Uh, (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, you 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 describe yourself as a Gonzaga bulldog. But I got my master's at Oregon, so I went to Oregon. Come Uh, on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Went there. You went there more than me. Okay. So Max is Max is more of a diehard than me. Matt Max is clearly more of a true duck than me. That's what. that, that's what we're learning here, except I will point out only one of us is wearing a T-shirt that's got puddles on it. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave that discussion at, uh, at that point. But no, I, I think at, at some move, you know, or at some level, these these moves made sense. Uh, guys who you know really weren't seeing the field. I didn't think we we're going to crack the rotation. I still think the most shocking departure in the last month or so is Keith Brown. Uh, and going back to, you know, this entire portal cycle, I think the other surprising transfer was, was Maliki Matavau, who... I would feel a lot better if uh, if Oregon had Montevau at, at at this point in time. But overall, this is kind of the way it goes. You have a lot of turnover, and now we get to finally see the uh, the on field product on Saturday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's uh, that's the focus of today's show. But you know, little little intro bit on uh, you know the crazy portal action. Um, you know, it, it was expected. You know, um, that that the Ducks needed to, to to cut down uh, on numbers, and you know that's just kind of how the game works. But with that being said, Spencer, let's kind of turn our attention to Saturday. Uh, spring game set for a 107 kickoff, I believe, over on Pat 12 Network. If you're not able to make it out to Autzen, if you are going to Autzen, remember to bring some canned food for uh, Food for Lane County, you know, kind of an annual tradition over there. In yep. But uh, we're going to be talking about some of the top storylines today going into the spring game, kind of some guys are going to be on the lookout for what we're excited about. And I think we can kind of just open this up broadly, Spencer. But for me, um, let's start on the Will Stein offense. I think that right now, granted, it's going to be super vanilla. We know that. That's what every spring game looks like. But Will Stein has some pretty big shoes to fill uh, because, you know, Kenny Dillingham came, even though it was just a year. Man, he lit that Oregon offense on fire. Um, you know, really, I, I'd say the easiest way to sum it up is that he made the offense fun to watch again because the Ducks were putting up points with Mario Cristobal and Joe Moorhead um, and, uh, you know, Arroyo, what, what have you. But it wasn't really fun to watch. You know, it was ground and pound and then ground and pound some more. So there's so many explosive weapons that have been added. Uh, Stein's been touted as, you know, an up and coming coach. He's had some really good stops, uh, you know, had a great year last year at UTSA. So. I think with all the weapons that the Ducks have added and the the momentum that they have on that side of the ball, Bo Nix back for his fifth year, I think that um, you know it's 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 pretty exciting to see what he's going to be able to draw up and, and how he's going to get these guys involved. Yeah, he's certainly got an array of weapons, right? You got a fifth year quarterback. I mean, what a great situation for a first year OC 
to come into, right? Dillingham had this last year, of course, a quarterback he was familiar with. He had a great offensive line. He had good weapons. And I think he, you know, for the most part, made the most of uh, that, that offensive unit. But, you know, Will Stein has, has also got a pretty stocked cupboard, right? You have Bo Nix in year two in Oregon. He's already got chemistry with several of uh, guys who will be his top targets in the passing game. Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, Terrence Ferguson, the running backs as well. Uh, you have to deal with some offensive line change, but is the talent there to be good? Yep, there absolutely is. There will be some bumps uh, and and some lapses at times, but overall they should still be a plus unit compared to the rest of the Pac-12. And you, you just look at the the running backs in particular that that he's got to deal with. And you, you know we know Dan Lanning likes to run the football. He's talked about that. Most defensive coaches do. And Oregon ran the football a lot last year. Like make make no mistake about it. Like I, I don't have the numbers in front of me on how many run plays Oregon ran in, uh, in in 2021 versus 2022, but I'd be willing to bet it's more similar than people think. Like Oregon ran the ball a really, really high percentage of the time last year. They just introduced the play action shot game. They took passes down the field. They didn't keep everything contained, conservative and safe. And, you know, the new OC is a part of that. And Bo Nix was a part of that as well. New OC, no quarterback from the prior year. So I, I think all of that is is a great place for Stein to be, that you've got Troy Franklin, who could be a first-team All-Pac-12 wide receiver. Ferguson, who is an All-Pac-12 uh, caliber tight end. Who you, You've got a bunch of other talented weapons. you got Treshawn Holden. you got Jerrion Dickey coming in. you got Tez Johnson in the portal. Your running backs lineup is probably – I mean, it's probably as deep as it's ever been. And this is a, a school in Oregon that's always – we've always had good running backs. Like, if you, if you think about the worst set of running backs Oregon's had in the last decade or so, it's probably in that 2017-18 range when it was like, can I Benoit, Tony Brooks, James – and by the way, I'm not saying those are bad players because that's my point. They 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 most definitely – were not, but you didn't have like an all timer in there necessarily. Or Royce Freeman was actually, Royce, in yeah, that. Royce was, I was gonna say, yeah, Royce was, yeah, Royce there. was in there. He kind of was, was an all timer, yeah, 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 was was literally an all timer. And uh, you know, before Royce was there, or when Royce was there, Thomas Tyner was also there, and Tyner was really, really good. DeAnthony, Lamite, like they've just had so many good players. And I think you know, you don't have necessarily an all timer at the top, but your depth is ridiculous here. Like, I think Jordan James can be Noah Whittington. I, I think their body types, their movements, running style is all very similar. And you go Bucky Irving to Noah Whittington to Jordan James and then a couple of four-star freshmen, especially with Dante Dowdell, who have a lot of hype coming in. I, I think the running backs room is as secure as you could possibly have. I think they can survive injuries. They could survive, uh, you know, just needing to get different styles in there, different body types like they – I think have got everything you could you could really hope for in in that sense. So I, I think he's got everything that he needs to succeed, and now he's just got to you know show us that he that he does have the coaching chops to to compete at the Power Five level. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the offensive line, which is going to be a group that I'm I'm very interested to see on uh, on Saturday or whenever I get around to watching the highlights, like you and I were talking about. Um, but you know, there's there's a couple of uh, you know kind of storylines within that right you know with the way that the spring game is divided we got yellow team and green team uh announced uh, the rosters yesterday marcus mariota and javon holland the guest coaches for those but um one of the points that comes with that is that you're not going to have all of your top guys on the same side of the ball um so that's going to make it kind of a little bit more tough to get a, a good read on where that group is at 
Um, and then uh, you're also dealing with some injuries, right? You know, Marcus Harper the second is is uh, kind of out indefinitely right now. Um, you know, some of the buzz that I'm hearing right now uh, from people around the program is that it's looking like he'll be back in time for fall camp, uh, which which is good. But um, you know, that's that's one of your two top candidates to take over at center for Alex Forsyth, who moves on after uh, a really really good career at Oregon. You know, probably one of the best centers in the Pac-12, just football IQ is crazy. I know you've talked about that on your show, Spencer. Um, so at least for now, for the time being, it looks like Jackson Powers Johnson's kind of in the driver's seat with that competition, um, you know, strictly because of availability. And he's a really talented player in his own right. Um, but, you know, who's going to take some snaps there? Maybe it's going to be uh, Yapani Laulu. Maybe we'll see him take some snaps. Uh, we got to see if Junior Angelau is going to be available. The Texas transfer that came in from the portal this past season. Uh, Dan Lenny was asked about him and his availability earlier this uh, week and uh, didn't end- indicate whether he was going to be playing or not, you know, still working back. Uh, I was hearing that he was kind of getting more action in, in spring practice this week, but still kind of limited. Um, so that group should be pretty solid. And you got, you know, Connerly and, and uh, uh, Johnny Cornelius in that group and some really Steven talented Jones guys back too. Steven Jones is back. So you got some really good pieces there, but they're going to be on the opposite sides. So it's going to be kind of hard to, to take that for, for too much. Um, but some of the guys that I'm looking forward to seeing on the offensive side of the ball, Spencer, you talked about it, the transfers, you know, Trayshawn Holden, who comes over from Alabama and then Tez Johnson, everybody who I've talked to about Tez speed, speed, and more speed. Uh, so I'm excited to see that on display on Saturday. Uh, I know he's kind of a lighter guy, but um, you know, they're, they're saying that he kind of just has a different gear than the, than the rest of the receivers in that room. So it's a pretty talented room. Uh, at wide receiver under junior Adams. And and I think Tez Johnson's going to go out there and try to make a statement and say, Hey, this is, this is what all the hype's about. And understandably so. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most really, you touched on two of the most compelling position battles that uh, we've, we, we, we've discussed throughout the spring and we'll see materialize at some level in the spring game. There was even a, a rumor a while back that Sir Mel's was going to play offensive line, but he'd moved back to the D line, but he's transferred out now. So, uh, it, you know, I think the offensive line still has plenty of depth. I think the defensive line as well has still got uh, plenty of, of depth, but where guys are actually going to play on the O-line still kind of up in the air. Like Connerly, they, they've raved about him in spring pack, spring practice. He was one of the top offensive tackles in the class of 2022. He played in that 14 J package last year. Was he number one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he has all the makings of being your starting left tackle, but a Johnny Cornelius, is not some scrub transfer from Rhode Island who they added as a depth piece. He was wanted by Alabama and a other top Everybody school. Wanted that guy. Everybody wanted that guy. And Oregon ended up getting him. So I, I would suspect you see Connerly at left tackle and Cornelius at right come September 2nd against Portland State. But is there a guarantee there? No, I don't think so. And then you know, the, the Marcus Harper to center conversation, which has emerged in spring football, and we won't get to see, of course, because Harper is being held out uh, for precautionary reasons with an injury. That is one that I know I didn't expect to see. I thought it was JPJ and, you know, who's going to be the backup? Who do we know? And then we hear that Harper might be pushing him for the starting center job, but JPJ is a really good offensive lineman. So if you slid Harper over to center, JPJ has got to be one of your guards, right? But then you've got Angle out and you've got Steven Jones. So, I think there's a lot of different combinations on the offensive line that could work out successfully for the Ducks. And then the slot receiver position, probably 
in addition to the number two corner slot, the most up in the air individual position battle. I'm curious if you think there's a bigger one out there. I don't see it. I think you've probably got TriQuest Bridges as one of your uh, one of your top corners, but I, I don't know what to expect from Kyrie Jackson. Can Dante Manning take a step? Jalil Florence was impressive as a true freshman. I'm sure they're all play, but in terms of who your top two cornerbacks are, I don't know who number two is, but I still think it's slot receiver. Chris Hudson has been a good football player the last few years. He's not been just okay or just, you know, solid or has had his moments or shown potential. No, he's been a good football player. He's a good blocker. He's physical. I I know he had the big drop last year against Cal, came back in that game, by the way, made a bunch of really, really big plays. And he can get you yardage on a screen pass. He can run intermediate routes. He can go down the field. He's, He's been really good for the Ducks, and now you introduce Tez Johnson, and I think it's just an embarrassment of riches for the Ducks that you can rotate these guys in and out. You get a little bit different styles. Tez has got more high-end speed like you talked about. Hudson is a little bit more physical. Like I don't know what Tez's running block, run block capability is going to be, which you know I'm not saying we go back to the Mario Cristobal offense here or anything, but I know it's a sore spot for people. But wide receivers always have to be able to block, and Hudson – from what I've seen from him is a good blocker. And I, I just wonder how that balance wor- works out, but curious as to your thoughts on the, on, on the slot receivers p- position. Yeah. The, the slot receiver position is an interesting battle. And I, I definitely want to get over to defense uh, Spencer. I know you've got about yeah. 30 for you total. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting spot because I think when we got into the off season and saw all the movement at the position, I was kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't saying that the Ducks were thin there, but it was just a little bit kind of up in the air about, you know, which pieces are going to be able to step forward um, and, and, you know, what's his room look like. But after some transfers come in, Ducks are looking like they're the leader for Gary Bryant, the former USC wide receiver. So how does he slide into the mix if they end up getting him a uh, commitment set for May 13th, I bet, by the uh, I believe, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think Chris, Chris Hudson has, has done a lot of really good stuff for Oregon um it's just a question of you know how much better is tez johnson or how how different of a player is he um and you know how how do they look to kind of incorporate that speed because troy franklin's not slow um none of these guys are slow um i think that Kyrie jackson was talking about troy franklin and kind of just you wouldn't expect him to be able to move the way he does at about six three so that's definitely the i think that is the most interesting position battle along with the number two corner or just the cornerback room in general um, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the tight end position. I know that that's going to be one to watch on uh, Saturday because we Terrence should get Ferguson, to see a lot of Kenyon Sadiq, the true freshman. Yeah, plenty because I'm, pre- I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he's number two on the depth chart right now with, with T Ferg out with an injury. So he should be one of the starting tight ends. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, no, he, he definitely should be one of the starting tight ends. You got him and, and Patrick Herbert, um, and then maybe we'll see if Mateo gets uh, rotated in there a little bit. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans, and I would kind of agree with them, say that they don't really want to see him at tight end because the need isn't there as much. And you kind of just want to see what he can unleash as a edge rusher or a defensive lineman wherever he ends up, you know, getting situated. So there's a lot of interesting things to watch for on this uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And then another one we didn't even talk about, but I wanted to squeeze in real quick before we get to the defense is uh, what does Ty Thompson look like? You know, he's the, the mm, number two yeah. quarterback right now. You know, everyone thinks, you know, understandably so that he's going to be the main backup, but, but how is he going to look? You know, he's, he's been out of Oregon for, for two years now, entering his third season, hasn't quite been able to put it together, but what is he going to look like in the, in the spring game? You know, what's his processing speed going to look like? Is he going to be poised? Is he going to be able to keep the ball moving, the offense moving? So there's so much on offense, but we got to turn the page to defense Spencer before we run out of time here. And um, I think one of the most interesting things that we can kind of start this conversation with is Dan Laney was asked earlier this week, I think it was Tuesday, what the biggest difference was from last year's team to this year's team, more or less paraphrasing. And uh, he said physicality, you know, that's what he's going to be looking for. He said that they're a lot more physical this spring than they were uh, at this point last year. Um, and I think a lot of people associate that with uh, the defense and, you know, that's Lanning's hallmark. You know, that's what he's going to hang his hat on. So, I think the physicality has to be something we want to watch for. Obviously, you want to en- exit the game with no injuries. You want everyone to be totally healthy. Um, but just seeing that physicality and and then that D-line, man, that D-line is going to be fast is what I'm hearing. They're they're huge. They can you know move really well. They're deep. So maybe let's start the defense there. Yeah, I, I'm looking for basically improvement across the board on, on defense. Like, what was your one redeeming element? The run defense was good last year for the Ducks. Okay. But you've got new linebackers and you have you do have returning interior defensive linemen. I think that's the group I'm uh, least interested to see because I kind of know what I have there already with Dorless and Casey Rogers and Popo. And uh, I don't really know what we have with Popo coming off an injury. You never know. But Itaki, Taimani, Kiamar Hudson, like uh, go down the list. Okay, I, I understand what I've got there. But at edge, what does Mateo look like? Is Mace Funa, 
you know, was that a flash in the pan of the holiday bowl or is he a really, really good player now? I mean, he's been a, a good solid player, but can he, you know, show potential to take a step forward? And then uh, Jordan Birch, of course, coming over from South Carolina, former five-star recruit, grades his four-star transfer on 24-7. He's a guy who we need to make an impact. Now, want, not when it would be nice, but like we need him to play at a high level. Linebackers, is Jeffrey Bossa better in, in coverage? Does he have a better feel for the defense compared to last year? What does Justin Jacobs look like? Who are the other linebackers that step up? Is Connor Soelli from Arizona State a big-time player in that room? I got a lot of questions, a lot of things to watch. At the secondary, what's the safeties combination going to be? Because you've got Tysheem Johnson and Evan Williams, the transfers, but then you have Brian as, oh, and by the way, Jamal Hill making the transfer down to linebacker. But you have the two transfers, but then, I don't know why I'm using these two fingers. You have uh, you have Brian Addison, you have Steve Stevens coming back in the safety room, right? You have some young guys as well. They're probably not going to see the field, uh, you know, come come the fall, but Tyler Turner, Cody DeCambra, what can we see from those guys? Uh, I, I'm, I'm most interested there, but you can only put three safeties on the field at once. Who are the best safeties going to be? Is Steve Stevens' experience going to win out, or is he a guy who, you know, has been – a, a starting caliber player, but not a high level starter. Is he someone who's going to get beat out for starting time? That's something to watch. And then we talked about the cornerback slots. I think you have Triquez Bridges at one starting corner. And then at the other one, I could legitimately make a case for it going any of three directions for who the starting number two corner is. And, you know, the, the coaches see the stuff at practice all the time and they'll, you know, be formulating their own depth chart, but this is our opportunity to, to see, what we think could happen here because Jaleel Florence, if he takes a step forward, gets a little bit better in run defense. And I mean, that, that's really it. He was pretty darn good in coverage last year. Obviously you can always improve. I could see him being a number two corner because Dante Manning, he's the most gifted of the bunch athletically, but this is year four. Is it, does it take four years to make a jump or is he just kind of is what he is at this point, a contributor, but not a high level player. And then Kyrie Jackson don't have a lot of film on him from his time in Alabama, you know, he was sought after coming out of a community college, of course, to go to the Crimson Tide, but then had just an okay career. Like, there are just so many questions on the defense. And I, I'm I'm really, really excited to see how they all pan out because I want to watch every single level. I, I want to see how all this stuff looks. Are we going to be able to get better pressure on the quarterback? Are our linebackers going to be better in coverage? Are our safeties going to be able to make more impact plays? I think those are all things to watch for in the spring game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on a bunch of really good stuff, and we'll, we'll kind of try to break some more of that down here. Uh, just to give some final thoughts on the D-line, I think, you know, I was talking about how the, the O-line is going to be broken up. So, I I, I mean, I, even though there's some uncertainty at O-line, I, I'm not too worried about that. I'd say I'm more concerned or focused on the D-line taking a, a step forward, uh, specifically with the pass rush, So than I am the, the O-line. I think they're going to figure that out. they got a lot of good pieces there guys who have played some good football, even if it hasn't been for Oregon. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm confident in Elite Terry, Kavanaugh to get that group right. But I just want to see those defensive linemen knocking guys back. Like, you just want to see violence at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's really what Oregon needs. Obviously, don't want anyone to get hurt. But, like, I just want to see this group play like they have their hair on fire um, and really just kind of, you know, take off and, and just really set the standard for what they're going to look like in 23 but let, let's go back a level, Spencer, and spend some more time on the backers because 
that's a group that is really thin right now. You know, Keith Brown transferred just a couple days or hit the portal just a couple days after saying, Hey, I'm going to be at Oregon. I could have been a, a portal guy, but it means more to me. I'm from Oregon. You know, you guys can go watch the presser, but that was a really surprising move as a guy who was pretty solidly in the two deep, I think at the very least. Um, but then Harrison Taggart leaves, um, you know, he was a, a pretty highly sought after guy in the 22 class, pretty small though. I just don't know if he was physically ready uh, to play college football at this level um, as far as just from a physical standpoint, but wish that guy all the best after hitting the portal on Wednesday. But yeah, how does Justin Jacobs look? You know, he was saying, hopefully this is his last year of college football and he's already being viewed by some outlets as a top draft prospect from Oregon. Um, and then how does that, how does that room come together with, with Connor Soley and, and Jeffrey Bossa and then Jamal Hill? How is he moving in his linebacker body now? Um, I think that's got to be a, a big part of, of where things are interesting. And then the coverage, like you said, the coverage has to be there because it really wasn't last year and Oregon got dissected in the middle of that defense. Yeah. And I'm intrigued as to how much we'll see Devin Jackson because he's made some spot appearances or he made some spot appearances last year. He redshirted and he's uh, again, a pretty highly tout, touted recruit coming out of high school out of uh, Omaha and has got really high end speed. And I think this could be a year for him. I think this could be an opportunity for him with with Keith Brown, you know, and now Harrison Taggart leaving via the portal. The opportunity is there for Devin Jackson to claim a role on this year's team and then be a leading linebacker going into the, the 2024 season. Right. And kind of be on be on track to uh to to be a big time contributor for the ducks because right now i think you'd probably predict the two deep or at least i would as justin jacobs as one starter jeffrey bassa as the other jamal hill is in there as well probably connor soily from arizona state those are probably your top four in a four two five of course that's what the quote-unquote two deep looks like but you toss an injury in there which happens every year especially in football is Devin Jackson kind of that next guy up? And is he making the strides that he needs to in terms of understanding the defense and being physically ready, you know, being in the weight room and on the right eating plan and stay, sticking to it and all that sort of stuff? Is he making those sorts of strides to become the player that that we think he can be? I think we just haven't gotten that much information on him at this point in time, and he's a bit of an enigma in that sense. But I, I love his upside. I liked him coming out of high school and – I think there is an opportunity there. You know, Sully is a guy that could very well be a player, but I don't think he's, you know, cemented into a role necessarily. Like if Devin Jackson comes in and really impresses in spring football and fall camp, I, I could see him passing Sully on, on the depth chart. He's not someone who, you know, lit the world on fire at Arizona State. I think he's one of those transfers who comes in and he's, he's a depth piece. I, I think that's kind of the perception of him right now. That might change after the spring game or after spring football wraps up, but I think that's very fluid. And when you also consider that one of the guys we're thinking would be ahead of Devin Jackson on the depth chart is Jamal Hill, who's making the transition down to linebacker. I don't think that's a given either, right? I think they took him out of the safety room because they feel like they have better players there and he's more well-suited to play linebacker, which I agree with, but that's an adjustment. That's a new position. It's a lot of things for him to learn. So I think there's opportunities for this depth chart to be really, really fluid as, as time goes on. And that's why I'm, uh, going to be watching them and the rest of the defense so closely is, you know, the only guys I feel pretty solid about are are Jacobs and and Bossa. And and by the way, Jeffrey Bossa has to get a lot better too. I don't think he's locked into a starting spot. I think he's a likely candidate because he he's got a lot of great physical traits. 
but he struggled big time last year and he's got to take another step forward to really solidify himself as as a starting linebacker on 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 this team because he wasn't great in coverage last year and he made some individually good plays but he also consistently struggled against the run where he was not you know pff graded him as like one of the lowest rated linebackers in the conference a season ago and part of it was he was just a little bit small but he's put on some weight and i'm interested to see what what kind of player he he can still become because i still like his his upside and potential but he's he's got to put in the work and he's got to improve and he's got to realize it final note here on the the linebackers then i want to wrap with uh some more db talk with dispenser i know we got to get you out of here the given how thin the inside linebacker room is now following the transfers of keith brown and and then harrison taggart the latest on wednesday I'm not saying this with any kind of intel or sources specifically, but I'd be very surprised if Oregon doesn't already have some guys that are going to come in, at least one, uh, maybe from the portal. Uh, You know, you got Jerry Mixon from the 23 class who's enrolled early uh, in the spring and and going through practice, but I just don't see how Oregon could see themselves getting that thin at the position without having some moves that they're ready to make. We'll see, though. We'll see how the group looks. Um, but yeah, I, just wanted- I, I think it depends on how they're assessing the talent there. Because, I mean, if you feel confident you can go five deep when you only have two on the field at any point in time defensively, I think that's enough. I think that's enough to give you depth and competition. And I think it's also enough to survive uh, attrition if injuries come to pass. So I, I don't feel like they need more. I mean, think about the linebacking room last year. Who played a lot, right? Who played significant, meaningful snaps? Noah Sewell, Jeffrey Bossa, Justin Flo, Keith Brown. Am I, am, I, am I missing one in there? Jackson LaDuke every now and then. Jackson, Jackson LaDuke. Okay, there's five. I feel like the five guys you have there are, are – I, I think that's enough, especially when you have you know a true freshman coming in if you absolutely needed him to, but – I feel like five is not maybe they could maybe they could add a transfer in there, but I don't think it's a need necessarily. Okay. Yeah, no, maybe we just don't agree on that point, but that's all right. That's what we're here for the lively discussion. Um, I think maybe you just want to add a little bit more depth there, but yeah, just to wind things down, Spencer on the DBs. um, I'm not so much interested in the safety room, even though there's some new pieces with Ty Sheem and and Evan, but I think that that I'm more confident that that'll get sorted out than I am about the cornerback room right now. But they added a couple of you know really talented and promising young guys in that 23 class. Cole Martin, who uh, players are saying as a spitting image of, of Demetrius Martin. He's a he's a guy who comes in from from Basha High School as as one of the twitchiest athletes out west. He's already there. And you got Solomon Davis from Charter Oak out here in Southern California, Covina. Um, so I'm just really stoked to see what that group can do at, at corner. And then Kyrie Jackson said, he's not trying to be Gonzo 2.0 more or less. You know, he's like, I'm trying to take on the lockdown corner role, but add my own swag to it. And, um, and coach meat was saying that he was a good addition for them because he has some of that familiarity in the system. And he was saying that, uh, he has a little bit more flexibility and freedom than he did at Alabama just since he's been at Oregon. So that cornerback groom is going to need to take a step forward for sure. And I think that part of that really gets started here uh, in uh, in the spring game. And then what kind of growth has uh, Jalil Florence taken? How much com- more comfortable is he looking in year two? Um, a whole bunch of talent, but a lot of question marks right now, especially at corner for Oregon. Yeah, I, I think that you don't need to improve the corner room overall. You need to improve half the corner room and you need to try and 
rekindle the success you had in the other half of it, right? Because Gonzo is going to be a top 10 pick tonight in the NFL draft. Most, most likely the very, he will not fall past 13. I, I don't, I don't think he falls out of there. I think he probably goes top 10. A lot of places have him number one corner coming off, off the board. So you can't get much better than that. So you're trying to replace that as much as you can. The other corner position, definitely you'd like to see some more lockdown ability uh, and, and a little bit more consistency on, on that front. But I think you've got an, a, a sufficient amount of depth to be able to let those guys go out there and compete for the spot and see who rises to the top, right? One guy's going to push the other and he's going to push the other guy. And I mean, it's not going to be handed, I don't think, to anyone. And look, if Kyrie Jackson feels he can be a lockdown corner, hey, that would be fantastic. And if you told me it was him and Triquez Bridges and then Jalil Florence and Dante Manning are rotating as your number three corner out there, I think that's a perfectly viable option for the Ducks. But I, I'm very much intrigued to see how how that room and how that position group develops because I, I think you have uh, more than enough bodies in there to compete with one another and more than enough talent to, to have success. Lots of good stuff there, Spencer. And if you guys want more good stuff, I'll tell you what you should do. You should go check out Spencer and I's latest episode over on Locked on Ducks yes, on sir. his channel. Um, you know, tons of really good recruiting scoop and analysis uh, from, from him and I ahead of a massive recruiting weekend. Big, uh, big visitor list. We break huge. we break down the whole – we go through the whole list of guys who are expected to be there, who the priorities should be, what the recruiting's looking like, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know I could talk recruiting literally the entire day. Um, so go check that out if you haven't already, and then I'm going to have my own episode previewing the recruiting weekend, hopefully on the Ducks Dish podcast. But Spencer, before we get you out of here, got to give you a chance to plug everything. Where can people find more of you and what you have going on? I am on Twitter at smalls underscore 55, and I host Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12 as well, Monday through Friday on YouTube. And wherever you listen to your podcasts, hit me up, shoot me a message. Love hearing from all of you out there. Many of you watch Max's or listen to Max's show. I know listen to mine as well. We appreciate all of you out there. Thrilled as always to be a part of the duck community and gosh, everybody enjoy the spring game, show up to Austin stadium, make it loud, make it a great spectacle as always. And Max, great to be on with you. Appreciate you coming by Spencer talking some ducks. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at M sports and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon football, Max Torres looking to grow the community here. And you can find all my latest written content covering the ducks on the recruiting trail on the gridiron every now and then on the hardwood. Um, but you know, I focus on football and recruiting above all else. So appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks with us. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.